All right, and welcome to the Dave's I Know uh, annual EPL preview. Uh, this is a, a podcast that we do specifically for the Patreons to start. We'll we'll release it eventually to all of the plebes who who don't uh, help pay for things for us. But uh, you're gonna get it hopefully. Um, we're recording on Tuesday the second. Hopefully, I'll have this out by later tonight. Um, you have a few days to to process how uh, the Daves think about the EPL. Um, with us to to take care of that and to do that, we have uh, MJ, ever local Everton Whoa. fan. Hey, MJ, and back uh, for a, a brief uh, appearance with us, um, sleep deprived Dan Wade. Dan, how you doing? Uh, yeah, that's the one sleep deprived, uh, but it's good to be back. For those of you who don't know, Dan had a had a kid in his uh, in his uh, absence from the podcast. That was that's why he's been off for you know the last fifteen months or so. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's a uh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. So we're gonna let's just jump right in uh, because we have a we have a hard a hard cap here on time. Uh, one thing I'll just, I'll point out beforehand. Um, oh yeah, I just want to say Patreons, thank you so much for for your continued support. Um, as I mentioned on the the podcast yesterday, uh, it's probably in your feeds right now. We have a couple of ideas that we are that we're working on um, some potential podcast things as well as some other stuff. Uh, hopefully, um, if not by the end of the year, next year, uh, some more beer as obviously our, our main person for that Christian was not in his house for a long time because doing a lot of renovations and stuff. So hopefully he's back in that soon and we can start having a conversation about that. So um, keep you on the lookout for for future future things from us. Um, hopefully with podcasts and stuff, it'll just drop right into your feeds. All right. Uh, so the one big rule change that the EPL is finally adopting is the five sub rule. Obviously, this has been in place in the Champions League, uh, as well as most other leagues around the around Europe. Um, but as people like to say, England's not part of Europe anymore. So <laughs> there's that. So yeah, so they're actually adopting the five sub rule. So that um, obviously that will benefit a lot of clubs um, that have deep deep lap rosters, kind of like Liverpool, Man City, maybe might affect some other clubs a little more differently. It's really going to depend on how the managers are willing to use their subs. Cause as we know, as Minnesota United fans, not all managers are created equally when it comes to using all five subs <laughs> on their rosters. So, so we, Wait, what are you talking about? Uh, I don't know. Some douchebag from Everton. Um, <laughs> so we broke this up. We, we, uh, Dan and I each took seven teams. MJ took six teams cause there's 20 teams. And, um, I wasn't going to make MJ, uh, pick a champions league a championship team to to cover either so uh so we're gonna go basically um dan myself mj just kind of down so it's gonna be kind of out of order it will start generally in, in order um but based on who the teams we picked i had to move some around move some of mj's down and some of mine up and stuff so it won't be in exact alphabetical order nor in order of who we, how we think teams are going to finish but we'll get to that at the very end we'll talk about our top six very briefly as well as who we think is going down at the end of the year so Obviously, we'll start it off with Arsenal, and obviously Dan has this one. Dan, um, why don't you tell us? Uh, so yeah, so let me, I'll say Arsenal is uh, plus thirty three hundred to win the league. Uh, their over is sixty eight uh, points, under is sixty six and a half points. Um, yeah, Dan, and they finished last year in fifth place with a twenty two three and thirteen record on sixty nine points, which is very nice. So very tell us a little nice. bit about Arsenal and what to expect. Yeah, so I will. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to take the over on their their projected points. I'm pretty bullish on Arsenal this year, uh, which is a nice change of pace from the last few seasons where I was really struggling to see why this team would be good. Um, brief look at last year, really up and down season. They had stretches where they looked like 
they were going to finish in the Champions League positions. They had stretches where it looked like they might get relegated. Um, but they sort of put it together kind of midseason, had a really strong finish. They had some really weird COVID issues, particularly early uh, when the Prem wasn't quite codified on how they were doing postponements. That's its own thing. Uh, so they, they had a Champions League spot in hand until they lost to Spurs and Newcastle. Uh, but about a month prior in April, they lost to Palace, Brighton, and Southampton, and that pretty much sunk them. Going into last season, Mikel Arteta uh, was definitely on the hot seat. Um, the team was giving him sort of the dreaded vote of confidence, but over the course of the season, he really solidified it, uh, particularly with the young players. So last season, Arsenal brought in Aaron Ramsdale, which was a widely ridiculed transfer by myself, among other Arsenal fans even, uh, which turned out to be awesome. Uh, and then it paid a fortune for Ben White, uh, which, again, also turned out to be a really, really good deal, but was not particularly well-respected at the time. But with those guys and Bakaya Saka and Martin Odegaard, there's a really, really good young core that has bought into what Arteta's doing. And I think that's one of the things that gives me a lot of hope about this team. Uh, players they brought in this year, uh, Gabriel Jesus, obviously the big one. And if you watched Arsenal last year, what you saw quite a bit of was really good build-up play uh, with absolutely no one up top to finish it. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, <laughs> Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just had checked out and Alexander Lacazette had one of his worst seasons as a professional and Eddie Nketiah hadn't earned Mikel Arteta's trust yet. And so you had this incredibly intricate play and then there would be like one pass from a guy at the penalty spot and all of a sudden the ball would be in row double Z. So the fact that they have Gabriel Jesus, who seems to know where the goal is, gives me a ton of hope for this season. That Dan, that's uh, that's that's row double Z, by the way. That's <laughs> I couldn't decide. I was I was as I was leading up to that, I was like, uh, oh, nah, screw the let's, let's be, let's be full on douchebags. Yeah, no, for okay, sure. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I, I can certainly do that. That's my, my first language anyway. Uh, so they also brought in from Man City, Alexander Zinchenko, who uh, had pr pretty much been playing for the, on the wing for Man City, but had been playing through the middle uh, for Ukraine, where he was incredibly effective during their World Cup run that unfortunately and, uh, ended at the hand of Wales. So I'll be interested to see how Arsenal use him. He'll probably play a little bit in both spots, but I think it's going to be a huge addition. And then William Saliba, who was on loan uh, in France last season and, in fact, was the Ligue 1 Young Player of the Year. So it's it's not totally clear how the team's going to line up. It's going to be three at the back or if they're going to use uh, rotation in the center backs. But they've got a lot of options in a way they decidedly did not last year. Uh, unfortunately, i got to end this on a downer note because I would be – remiss for not bringing this up, but one of the big clouds hanging over this team is the fact that they are going to continue to play Thomas Partey, who uh, is being accused of multiple rapes over the last two or three years. Um, just wildly disappointing. It follows the same pattern we've seen with Gilby Sigurdsson, with Mason Greenwood, uh, with Benjamin Mendy, that the teams wait until the police have like actually arrested them to make any type of movement so it's it's hugely disappointing there are some football implications for this as well but i'm not i don't really care about those it's just it really fucking sucks to have to cheer for a team that has someone on the roster that you genuinely wish were in prison yeah for sure um expectations for this year i think they have a really good shot at the champions league spot i don't think they'll they'll challenge either city or liverpool i don't think they have the depth for that but 
Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, they should all be right in the thick of that. Um, should be a really, really interesting season. I think the big question with them is they're back in Europe this year. Uh, they qualified for the Europa League last year. Do they have the squad depth and can they stay healthy enough to challenge multiple competitions? Or are we going to see them um, a little bit like we saw with West Ham? And I'll get into that, obviously, at the end of the show. Uh, start to have to decide, OK, we're actually going to care about this competition. We're going to punt another one. Yeah, I'll say I'm I'm pretty bullish on Arsenal as well. I really like their um, spoiler alert. They're one of my teams that's not my team that I'm probably going to enjoy watching because I think they're like they're young and they have a lot of talents. So well, now to your point is whether they can put that all together. And I've just as a as a Liverpool fan, I always hate it when Gabriel Jesus came on the pitch because it always felt like he scored against us. So you're right, the dude knows where the back of the net is. So uh, cool. All right, well let's move on. Um, so Aston Villa is up next. I have Aston Villa. They are uh, plus 25,000 to win the league. Um, so for the most of the rest of these teams, there's not really great over under odds anywhere. Um, we found one site that had a really weird system of one number and then like a, like one and a half or two and a half points in a different number. So like a kind of like an over under, but like there was a big gap in the middle. And I feel like over under should be a, a number and you bet the over the under. Um so for most, so I think for the rest of these teams, I kind of like split the difference between what the two numbers were and then just added a half a point um, in one direction so that, you know, we'd have a, a decent over under number. So for Aston Villa, uh, 51 and a half points is their over. That's um, well above last year where they finished 13, six and nine, 19 uh, on 45 points and in 14th place. However, last year they did bring in uh, Stevie G halfway, well, more than a little more halfway through the season. And he really righted the ship. They were not looking great um, before January. And then they brought in Philip Coutinho in January and again, really turned the team around. So he is the, he's the big name that, you know, most uh, English premier league fans would know for sure. Or even just casual fans. Obviously he was big with Liverpool and they locked him up to a long-term deal this summer, but they also brought in uh, Diego Carlos and Bubakar Kamara um, as a French midfielder. Uh, and then they have Ollie Watkins back. Um, Tyrone Mings is, is, a, is a name that people will look at and remember. Um, he's been wearing the captain's armband. It could rotate. Stevie G hasn't uh, decided uh, whether or not that's going to be the case. Um, but Aston Villa is one of those teams. Uh, they almost knocked off Man City at the end of the year last year, which in Liverpool winning their game would have given them the title. They just couldn't quite do it. I think their expectations this year uh, are finishing the top half of the league and competing for the Europa uh, Europa spot or European conference. So like finishing that top seven or eight and then making a run in one of the, one of the cup competitions, either the FA or Carabao cup. I think the team doesn't have a ton of depth, but they have some good players. They can, they have pulled off some upsets. And I think with a year with a uh, off season with uh, Gerard um, who brought in, God, now blanking on it. I think Neil Critchley, former Liverpool uh, Academy manager as his number two, um, I think they have a, an off season to sort of get their system put in place. So I think this team will be a, a tough out for a lot of those top six teams. I don't think, I think they're going to knock off a few of them um, fairly regularly. And I think they have, they I think they want to be competing for top, top six, and especially um, for sort of more long-term with, with Gerard. Um, if he's looking at the Liverpool job, he's going to need to win some stuff with Villa in order to uh, uh, pip, pep Linders for that. I think Linders probably has the, inside track on that job right now. So, so yeah, Aston Villa, uh, 51 and a half points is what I, we kind of said, I say, I say hit the over on that one. 
And now we'll move to Brentford. Uh, Brentford is MJ. Uh, seventy-five plus seventy-five thousand to win the league. <laughs> these these are all, basically these are all big numbers, except for Man City, Liverpool, and Chelsea. But even Chelsea is a slightly big number. Like it's Liverpool, Man City, and then it's a lot of long shots. So, um, but anyways, the I had the over under for Brentford at forty and a half points, um, which they they managed to, to uh, well well secure last year, thirteen seven and eighteen. Uh, with 46 points, finished in 13th place, a pretty um, respectful position considering for a while they were sort of teetering on that uh, in that uh, relegation race. But they um, they played some really good games, including a, a getting a, it was like a three three draw at Anfield last year against Liverpool. Um, so yeah, they they're a, they're a decent team. The bees up the bees and MJ, uh, tell us a little bit more about Brentford and what to expect this year. The bees overachieved last year in 13th place. They have this. A uh, striker named Ivan Tony, who scored 14 goals in all competitions. And they also have a very dynamic left fullback, uh, Rico Henry, who likes getting forward, has really good solid defensive awareness. The big loss is losing Christian Eriksen, who gave them a lot of help in the attack last year. They still have their Danish manager. And even though uh, they lose, uh, they've loaned out um, Mads Bidstrup to Nojelin. They still have five fucking Danish players on the squad, um, <laughs> including uh, tackle Wunderkind uh, Christian Norgard. Uh, so he's their defensive mid. Uh, he's all over the place. Uh, he's fun to watch. But the big question is, oh, expectations mid-table. Maybe better than last year, probably lower and fighting off relegation. Like, I think they'll stay up, but they're going to be, they're probably not going to be as high as 13. The big question is last year they had tons of injury issues and including goalkeeper David Rea. Can they stay still healthy? And will 23-year-old Arsenal transfer Josh De Silva stay healthy after hip issues? And maybe Dan can talk about Josh De Silva a bit. Uh, I actually don't know a ton about Josh De Silva, despite paying a fair amount of attention to both the U23s and even the U19s, because I have no life. Uh, so the fact that I can't tell you much about him kind of says something in and of itself. They will struggle with depth issues. The, the five-sub rule will both help and hurt them in the sense that it will give them opportunities to rotate out players, but they do not have the depth that just the top teams in the, in the league do. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Crystal Palace uh, finished last year, 11, 15 and 12 on 48 points. And in 12th place, they are plus 50,000 to win. Uh, I set the over under on them at 45 and a half points, Dan. I'm going to take the under on that. So last year, uh, they honestly, they overperformed a little bit last year. I think we were all pretty down on them. Uh, I'd have to look back. I may have predicted them to even get relegated and that certainly didn't happen. And, and they, they played Arsenal tough both times they played them last season. They were a trap game for a number of, of bigger sides. It was a really interesting uh, changing of the guard. Uh, that team has really been Wilfred Zaha's team for the last couple of years. They brought in Christian Benteke years ago and that was not a good deal, but he is there and you sort of have to you know deal with him. Uh, Jordan Ayew has been there. Um, 
There are a handful of others. And they were still impactful. Don't get me wrong. Zaha led the team in goals. But the team really started to coalesce around Connor Gallagher, Michael Elise, uh, Echebe Ezi, and Odson Eduard. Really, really young core who brought a lot of dynamism, a little bit like Zaha did when he first came to Palace a few years ago. Uh, the big problem they're going to face is that Connor Gallagher was the best of the bunch, and he's a Chelsea loney. Uh, so absolutely killed it but will not be with the team this year. So uh, this was Patrick Vieira's first year in charge. Uh, he did about as well as, as you could do as a first-year manager. Um, but he's going to have his work cut out for him. Now, the good news is Elise really came on towards the end of last year. I think there's a very good reason to believe that he can lead a team to sort of a mid-table finish, which sounds like damning with faint praise. But hey, if they finish mid-table, if they make a, a cool EFL Cup run, maybe win a game, get a cup set in the FA Cup, as Palace fans, how upset can you really be about that? This isn't a team that's going to challenge for Europe, um, but I don't see them as a, a big relegation risk either. I think the big question with these with this team really does boil down to how do you replace Connor Gallagher? Is that going to be Michael Elise, or are you hoping that Etbe uh, Ezi really steps up nicely? Yeah, I will also say uh, Crystal Palace is, an, is another team that I, I, I really enjoy watching. Uh, Patrick Vieira has done a really good job. They play interesting wide open soccer um at least they did last year so uh lots of lots of goals in their games yeah they're they're a heck of a lot of fun to watch i highly recommend checking them out especially if they've got uh they'll play some very weird games because they're not in europe so you know if arsenal has to squeeze in a monday game or tottenham has to play on a thursday or whatever that palace will often be the opponent for that and they really do play a great style honestly i don't want to belabor this point too much uh but this is an mls based audience I think the fact that Vieira coached pretty well at NYCFC and is now dominating with Palace bodes really well for the future of coaches moving from MLS to the Premier League. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, all right. <clears throat> oh, uh, MJ, uh, we didn't get your over under on Brentford. Forty and a half points. They finished with forty six last year, thirteenth place. Take the under. Under forty and a half. All right. I, I think they will be battling for relegation. I I kid you not. They okay. they might be you know, as high as 15th or 16th, but I don't think they finished close to 13th like they did last year. Cool. All right. <clears throat> uh, moving along. I have Chelsea. They finished last year, 21, 11 and six uh, for 74 points and finished in third place, uh, distant third to Liverpool and Man City. Um, they're, I said, they're a plus 1600 to win. Uh, I would not bet that. Um, they're 70 and a half is their total point total. I would say uh, take the over on that. I think, Dan, to your point with Arsenal, I think Arsenal, Chelsea, and Tottenham are going to be those teams, you know, vying for third, fourth, fifth. Um, I think they're going to beat up on a lot of the uh, bad teams. So while they might split a bunch of points between them, you know, with uh, Liverpool and Man City, I think they're going to uh, win a lot of games against bad teams. The, you know, Liverpool, or sorry, Chelsea has had a lot of, a lot of uh, turnover and turmoil over the course of the last year. Obviously, Roman Abramovich um, sold the team to Todd Bowley uh, that happened just the very end of the year, right before um, they needed to renew their license. So he's come in uh, Todd Bowley. If you're not familiar is a co-owner of the Dodgers, right, Dan. Yep. Um, very hands-on uh, owner. Um, unlike Abramovich, who was very sort of hands-off. He uh, deputized all of that work to some, some really great people. Um, Peter Crouch uh, was it Peter Crouch. And then um, Maria, 
blanking on her last name, who are very well respected in terms of uh, sporting directors and and transfer people in in um, and with Chelsea, obviously, for many years they have done their Chelsea loans out a lot of players, a lot of young players. Connor Gallagher being a great example, <clears throat> hoping that they can get some get some return on them. Uh, but the big thing is is the big one of the bigger questions is what the hell is Chelsea doing in the transfer window? Um, they brought in Raheem Sterling and Kalidou Kabale. Uh, Lukaku went back to Inter. Timo Werner seems set to go back to RB Leipzig. Thomas Tuchel is pissed off because he's not getting anything that he wants. Um, it seems that they're losing all of their uh, transfers. Everybody that they target seems like they're losing to Barcelona, and no one can figure out why how Barcelona has any money. Uh, but that's for our La Liga preview, which we're not going to do. Um, <laughs> and so, so, so yeah. So now, so Thomas Tuchel is not happy. Um, he's sort of made that known. Uh, via press availability um there's talk of Tuchel switching off from his uh three-man backline to playing a more of a 4-3-3 um Reese James is not super awesome at right back so they definitely want uh cover for him um I think he came out this morning or or last night that uh they've agreed to personal terms with Mark Cucarella uh from Brighton who's a defender um who City are trying to get as well so that's an interesting interesting development um, Chelsea is one of those teams that, you know, they have, like I said, they have a lot of players out on loan who come back. Um, and with, you know, the big question I have for them is, you know, with a, a, a Bohemovic gone um, and Bowley clearly looks like he's willing to keep the wallet open. Um, but the big question is for how long uh, and for whom. And I think more importantly, is he willing to cede some of that control to somebody who actually knows what the fuck is going on in the European uh, transfer market, <laughs> which I don't. I don't think he will, at least at least not for this year. So, I mean, you, I can see this thing going off the rails for Chelsea. I, ju- I think they have too much talent. I didn't even mention Christian Pulisic, uh, Kai Havertz. Uh, they have uh, Mason Mount. They have some really good talent. I don't just do not think we'll let them drop. Their, I think their expectations should be top four. Um, you know, I could see them maybe dropping to, to fifth or sixth, but that would require a lot of uh, really great play from some teams below them. I think they'll be looking to get to the round of 16 uh, in the Champions League and, and a, a final in some competition, whether it's the uh, FA Cup or Carabao or something. So uh, that is the expectations I have for Chelsea. All right. I don't think there's any team in the Prem that is more going to be benefited by the five sub rule than Chelsea. The squad is so deep with talent, which from a fantasy standpoint makes it a huge pain in the ass. Because, I mean, the players that you mentioned are just a sample. You, saw, you have Hakim Ziyech, you have Connor Gallagher, you have Callum Hudson-Odoi. You have all of these players who could be getting full minutes for other teams, and they're just going to keep subbing in in, like, the 60th minute of Chelsea games. So it would not at all surprise me to see Chelsea down, you know, 2-1 to Newcastle or Palace or, heck, even somebody like uh, Fulham and then score three goals in the last 20 minutes to take the upset off the table. Yeah. As someone who hasn't watched a lot of Chelsea, does Christian uh, get more or fewer minutes than last year? Fewer. I think he gets fewer minutes. Unless he, unless he gets a, the, he gets a move in the, in the next you know month or so, which I, I sincerely doubt. Um, that's, I don't think that, that would be my guess as well. And it's interesting how with this five-sub rule, the tendency might think that you could get more minutes from him, but as Dan just pointed out, they, they are so deep. And well, <clears throat> given the different game states, Pulisic might not be the right answer to what Tuchel wants to put on the field coming off the bench. 
What I th- I think more I think more so it'll be that um he won't be starting for Tuchel, but um I guess it really is it if Tuchel is really committed to playing more of a four three three, I think that benefits Pulisic a little bit more in terms of like what where he where he plays on the pitch versus what versus what the rest of the um roster for Chelsea looks like. I mean, obviously Lukaku's gone. I said Timo Werner is more I mean if Timo Werner is still there, then I think for sure his minutes are are less than before. If um if Werner's gone, I could see him, you know, getting the same, maybe it maybe a little bit, maybe a few more minutes. But yeah, I think to the point, you know, it's I think he might we might see Pulisic getting a lot of you know 30 minute, 20 minute runouts and not starting as many games as he did last year. Yeah, I'll even go on the record and say I think he gets more games and fewer minutes. Cool. All right. Well, moving along. Uh, now we have uh, Bournemouth, who is probably our first actual true relegation candidate. Uh, if you want to bet a, uh, a dollar, you can win two hundred thousand dollars on Bournemouth winning the uh, winning the EPL next year. I set their over under at thirty one and a half points, and I think that might be super high. Um, last year, they finished second in the championship uh, with twenty five, thirteen, and eight on eighty eight points. So. MJ, what do we think Barmouth is going to have going to do? Uh, take the under on the thirty-one point five points. Even though that that is really low, but the, to me, they they will finish last in the, in the league. They will be bottom of the table, and I don't mean just near the bottom, like I usually mean when I say bottom of the table. They'll be way down in the hole. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to throw a congrats to uh, once a fifty-five-one co-host Jeff Ruder. Your Premier League team is back, and with that, more meaningful rivalries with your wife and your brother, who are both Everton fans. Uh, really, like I look at their roster and some really solid midfielders in like Lewis Cook and David Brooks. David Brooks now liberated from his political commentary, and <laughs> forward Dominic uh, Solanka, and really it's sink or swim with Solanka. You know, will he he score goals for them? Will they get results? My expectations is they will be relegated. They will probably be the first team to earn relegation in the Premier League this year, as in bottom, bottom. Will this last year's championship team that had the best team, team defense in the championship, will they do well at this level, despite only picking up right fullback Ryan Fredericks from West Ham? Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. So, just for reference for people, um, if you're not pulling, if you don't have the 21 22 EPL table pulled up, uh, Burnley was relegated with 35 points, Watford with 23, and Norwich City with 22. So, um, yeah, 30 and a half points, even if they just get around there, it's probably going to be relegation for this year. So, All sorry, right. Jeff. <laughs> up the cherries. Your cherries. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up is Leeds United. Uh, this is Dan. They finished last year 9, 11, and 18 uh, with 38 points, rallying from relegation visa. And thank you to Jesse Marsh to 17th place. Uh, their odds to win the Premier League this year are 50 or plus 50,000. Uh, and I set the over under. The over under was kind of basically set at 40 and a half points. Dan, take it away. I'm taking the over. I. I have become a Leeds fan over the, the last few years. Uh, when they were initially promoted, uh, they were under Marco Bielsa, who played just this crazy wide open style and sat on a bucket for the entire game. And if you can't 
get behind both of those things. I don't want to know you. Uh, but Bielsa really, the magic ran out last season. Uh, Leeds was pretty dire. Um, and a lot of that came down to injuries. Look, they're, they're two of their three best players are Patrick Bamford, Calvin Phillips. Both of them is substantial time. It was basically Rafinha and the Pips. And uh, the Pips didn't really give him much backing. Uh, so Bielsa loses his job. Honestly, I think it was too late in the season. Uh, they should have let him go earlier when it was pretty clear stuff wasn't working. Jesse Marsh does come in. Uh, the team staves off relegation. That's great. Uh, they then turned around and sold Calvin Phillips to City. They sold Rafinha to Barcelona. Got over $100 million from them, so that's, that's good business. Brought in Brendan Aronson, who will replace Rafinha, sort of. And Tyler Adams, who is close to a one-to-one replacement for Phillips. So this is a really, I mean, we always joke about full America from the, the years where they had Brian McBride and Clint Dempsey and Casey, Casey Keller. Is that who they had? Uh, I believe so. In any case, they've always had the, the sort of raft of Americans. And, and now have, it's going to be Leeds. Yeah. They have Brad Friedel. Did you say Brad Friedel? I didn't. That's who okay. I was thinking of when I yeah, said Casey okay. Keller. Yeah, Friedel. Uh, so... You know, they've got a chance to get healthy. Bamford looks really good in preseason, so he'll be back up top. Uh, we know this team is going to be really active again. Jesse Marsh also plays a really wide open style. Um, and and I am an unabashed Jesse Marsh fan. Uh, there was a great video from him at Leipzig uh, at halftime of the, their Champions League game against Liverpool, just absolutely willing his team in the most busted ash busted ass half german half english like rallying cry that has ever been given in this world and it makes me want to run through a brick wall i love this <laughs> dude so much and and I, I genuinely don't think he will fail i think the leeds fans will rally around him and it's a great fan base it's a great stadium do i think they're gonna threaten for europe or anything like that no but i do think they can be an upper table team uh i'm gonna be fascinated to watch brendan aronson this year he was really good in the lower leagues. His style matches with Marsh really well. If he and Bamford and Harrison can kind of get on the same page, it could be a pretty dangerous attack. Uh, so expectations for them, better than last year, upper middle table, but, you know, not great. I, I'm not predicting glory, but not abject failure either. Um, uh, the big question, uh, will these uh, run of Americans – do more than bring them back to mediocre. Is this the foundation for a good run of success or are they just kind of staving off the relegation monster? Yeah. The uh, Leeds United States of America is I think the. Uh, oh, I hadn't heard that. I like that. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you mentioned Jack Harrison, who is a uh, MOS product. Um, Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, MOS, Jesse Marsh. MOS. There's, there's a lot of MOS in, uh, in the EPL this year. So. It's very, very cool. So, uh, all right. Speaking of full America, uh, I have them. They're up next. They finished uh, first place in the championship pretty pretty solidly, actually. they I think they were nine points clear of the third place team last year. 27, 9, and 10. Scored a shit ton of goals. Uh, they're at plus 100,000 to win the league. The 37 and a half is their over-under, and I think you bang that under super fucking hard. Um, <laughs> Bet your child's, uh, Dan, bet your child's uh, tuition, college tuition fund um, because Fulham is going down again. They lose uh, Fabio Carvalho to Liverpool. Um, that's kind of their big their big loss. They brought, obviously, uh, Alexander Mitrovic is back, and he will score a bunch of goals again. Um, Harry Wilson, still there. Uh, they did bring in a Portuguese uh, a midfielder, Joao Palhinha. I think. Um, 
he was a target of Wolves, and I'll talk a little bit about Wolves later. They love their Portuguese players. Uh, Tim Ream, still on the back line. Jedi Robinson uh, on the left-hand side, probable um, World Cup starter Je- Jedi Robinson. Anyways, this team, I think, will score goals. They're also going to give up a shit ton of goals. So expectations here. Avoid the drop, and I say good luck to that. Uh, big question. So this is a team that actually, they brought in a few players, but they when they were last promoted to the, e- the EPL a couple years ago, Shad Khan, the guy who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, tries to buy Wembley every couple years and um, whatever. The FA is just like, no, thank you. But he keeps trying. So good on him. The dude has a gigantic yacht. He has more money than most, almost anybody in the US, maybe outside of like Bezos Musk edition. Um, he spent $100 million a couple years ago, uh, 100 million pounds on players. And they just, and they got, they finished in 19th place. Um, and he's not spending that this year. He's they've they've actually done a fair good a, a amount of business today. I think they've they've spent more than they brought in, but they're it's not by a ton. And basically, I think the hope is that um, and Marco Silva is the coach of Fulham, and I think their hope is that they can have some consistency from the team last year. That there's not a ton of turnover. That there's not a bunch of players trying to learn each other. That that will help with their defense, and that their defense will be a little better because of it. I think there's some validity in that. However, I don't think their defense is good enough to stave off um, giving up a lot of goals. So, um, so yeah, bang that under on Fulham. All right. Super fascinating question. Sorry, just really quick on this oh, yeah, go ahead. to me is so Mitro didn't just score a shit ton of goals last year. He scored 43 goals, which is an insane number. He had broken the championship scoring record in, I believe March and they played until May. So the question is, did he take a big step forward or our championship defense is that bad? Because if he goes and scores 12 goals this year, Fulham is going down. They may go down before anybody else. They may win the race to the bottom. But yeah. if he's a legit 20, 22 goal scorer and that halves his goal output from last year, maybe this team can can string it together. I don't know. I just I, I watched a little bit of Fulham last year just because it legitimately looked like a men against boys situation because Mitchell could score whatever he wanted and no one could stop him. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a little bit of both um, with, I think, more of uh, the latter than the former. Um, I think there's some really bad championship defenses, especially as you get closer, especially once you get past like the top, the top half of the table. I think there's some really bad defenses. And they so they play. Um, 40 was it 42 games in the championship because there's 22 teams so yeah so he's he averaged a goal a game more than a goal a game in the championship i don't think he's going to get anywhere close to that um <laughs> I, I don't i also think he's a, he could be i think he's a legitimate like you know 15 goal scorer in in the epl i don't i think if the team if this team stays up he's gonna have to score that 22 or 23 goals this year i think he's gonna have to he's gonna be have to be at more than a goal a game uh pace or more than half a goal a game pace for Fulham to to stay up unfortunately he's gonna have to bang the over yes exactly yes he will so um yeah all right anyways moving along um obviously we skipped these guys because we're moving stuff around Brighton and Hove Albion I I just happen to desire a lot of teams that start with B and I just want to thank David (laughs) for moving them around slightly alphabetical so you don't you listeners have David Zeller to thank that you do not have like 10 minutes of me just talking about teams that start with B. Listen, it's yeah. Um, 
No one wants that, right? Not even exactly. Patriots want that. Exactly. <laughs> so last year they finished in ninth place, uh, 12, 15, and 11 with 51 points. They are uh, plus 25,000 to win the league. Uh, I set the over under at 47 and a half points, which again is below what they did last year. But last year, um, MJ, you'll talk about it. This is one of the best years they've ever had in club history. They finished in ninth place. That is the highest they have finished in club history. 51 points. Over under is 47.5. I don't think they can do better than 51 points, ninth place. And so I'm going to say take the under. But, man, it that's a really tough over under. I think they're going to be around that 10th halfway mark. They have all these forwards that they get goals out of. Uh, striker Denis Undav uh, had 26 goals last year. Uh, Neil Mapai and Leander Trossard each had eight goals, and some dude named Danny Welbeck scored six goals for them last year. Wild. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, two key midfielders in Pascal Grosch and uh, Adam Alana. They have this dynamic uh young kid uh 20 year old Moises Casado who is is coming in will he start no will he get a lot of playing time probably they lose their best player in defensive midfielder uh Eve uh Bisuma and he ran ran so far away to Tottenham so um expectations mid-table again uh Probably a fewer spots lower, 10th to 12th is my guess. The big question, can Graham Potter and the players turn all the possession that they had last year and manufacture some goals and wins? Those 15 draws, really 12 wins, 15 draws, you know, if they can actually turn those into wins, they could finish higher than last year. Also, uh, every time I talk about them on the pod this year, how many flock of seagulls references will I pull out of my ass? <laughs> um, hey, listen, uh, modern love is automatic. <laughs> All right. Um, Dan, so next up is Man United. They are a plus 3,300. Uh, they finished last year 16, 10, and 12, 58 points, finished in sixth place. Um, I, based on what we have, I, I would have. And to MJ's point, when you set the over-unders, you're trying to set it so that you get equal action on both sides, um, more or less. Uh, based on what I saw, I set the over-under at 65 and a half points. I think that is ridiculously too high. Dan, I, I, I imagine you probably agree with me on that one. <laughs> yeah, speaking of betting mortgages or college funds or <laughs> payday loans, whatever you got, bet it against. <laughs> bet it against Manchester United getting anywhere close to 65 and a half points this year. Uh, I Look, Manchester United has a halo effect. I mean, this is a legendary franchise. This is the the team that people watch when they get into soccer literally everywhere in the world. And that's how you get a figure of 65 and a half points on a team that was so fucking bad last year. They were awful to watch. Yes, they won some games under Ragnick, but Lord almighty, they were terrible to watch. Win, lose, or draw, they were just boring. They also grossly underperformed. I mean, you look at their offseason last year. They brought in Varane. That was a huge signing. Harry Maguire was supposed to like not be in Greek prison. And that was going to be a, you know, a big, big boon. Aaron Wanda Saka was supposed to be great. And then they just started shipping goals left and right. 
Cristiano Ronaldo came in and this team couldn't score. Somehow they brought in arguably one of the five best players in the world right now and scored fewer goals. Like it's actually remarkable. And they damaged Bruno Fernandez in the process. So congratulations to them on that. Uh, a lot of big names moved out this season. So they lost Paul Pogba, Juan Mata, uh, Jesse Lingard, Mason Greenwood, Nemanja Matic, and Edinson Cavani, as well as, you know, the, the sort of dross that moves around the league. Uh, and not actually bringing in a ton of players on top of them. Now, they brought in Christian Eriksen, who should give them a real midfield engine. Uh, as MJ pointed out, he was stellar for Brentford last year. Uh, so I'm I'm very eager to see how he does with them. But he's not – it's not as though they had this crazy disconnected offense and defense that we sometimes see in the Prem. They had Bruno Fernandez, who can pick up a ball in midfield and get it into an attacking position. So we don't think that Erickson is going to be this, like, absolutely remarkable force for them. Also, it's worth pointing out, they now have, like, three of the best free kick takers – in the Prem, in Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandez, and Erickson, and they can still only have one of them taken at a time. So this is just duplication of effort, and they probably should have gone other directions. Expectation for them, uh, their own expectations, their fans' expectations, same as every year. Quadruple, perfect season, uh, Manchester is red, whole nine yards. Realistic expectations, I think they can have a good cup run under new manager Eric Ten Hag. Uh, I think I, I don't see them being a legitimate Champions League contender. I think I have them in a class with West Ham and Newcastle fighting for Europa League places. If they end up back in the Conference League again this year or again next year, sorry, uh, that wouldn't surprise me that much. I could 100% see this team, particularly given Ten Hag's success at Ajax last year, not punting the Prem because you can't ever really do that. But letting some of the bigger games go in favor of making sure they get a good Europa run. Uh, I could very much see them using that as a metric for success this year. Uh, big question. I said his name like three times in the last 10 seconds. Uh, Eric Ten Hag is their eighth manager since Sir Alex Ferguson left. Is he the guy? Is he finally the one who will at least start to bring an interesting... I mean, to make Manchester United not dire again. I'm not even talking about can he win there can he can he just make them fun again uh and if you watched Ajax there's definitely a possibility of that he brought in Lissandro Martinez uh for a crazy contract that just gets funnier every time something comes out about it the last thing I saw was that every game he plays Manchester United will pay Ajax 50 56 thousand dollars which I think is terrific because that's dumb as hell uh <laughs> Come He's on, very... Carabao Cup runs. <laughs> yeah, woo! I'm rooting. I'm rooting for Manchester United to every semi-final possible. Uh, but then lose, but then lose in, in penalties in the dramatic fashion. Oh yeah, no, 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 pain, pain for Manchester <laughs> is is I think the I think that's actually something we can all agree on. Pain for yes. Manchester. <laughs> yes. Uh, but especially Manchester United. Uh, interestingly, so he'll, he's a he's a center back. He's very mobile. His passing is outstanding. But he is not particularly tall. And and the English teams still do love to cross and hunt crosses. So it'll be interesting to see if a player of his caliber, but of his stature, works in the Prem, or if he's just a player who will thrive in numerous other leagues, but can't really make it work in England. Yeah, I, and the other, I guess the other sort of big looming question is Ronaldo. Um, yeah. <laughs> we didn't even talk about Ronaldo. He's apparently back in, in with the team now, but he's clearly wants out. He clearly wants to play Champions League. 
football. Um, I just don't know if there's any any other team on the continent that can t- that could take him. He's he, look if Cristiano Ronaldo were just expensive or just petulant or just seemed a little past it or just seemed like he didn't care, you could probably find a place for him. But he's all of those things. (laughs) He genuinely made this team so much worse last year. It is remarkable. Like, absolutely jaw-dropping to have a player of his talent come into a team that just needed one or two more pieces and they'd be right back in the thick of it and just burn the whole fucking thing down. Absolutely remarkable. Uh, I, I think they're stuck with it. I understand that he wants to be somewhere else. I understand that he's going to give 26% effort to Manchester United this season. I understand that we're going to go through the same carousel in the January transfer window, but who can take him? And of the teams that could theoretically take him, who wants him? He's a Madrid legend. They built a fucking statue of him and they don't want him. That's how bad this guy is right now. I think the, uh, and I, I'm, I am, uh, Remorse to admit it, but I think the best piece of transfer business last year was Man City pretending like they had any interest at all in, in Cristiano Ronaldo and Ronaldo and Man, <laughs> Man U having to swoop in um, and and get him because la- la- the last thing they could have happen was a Man United legend going to Man City uh, and playing for Man City. Although probably would have fucked them up a little bit more. So and I, in hi- hindsight, I kind of wish he had gone to to Man Man City, but um, I always enjoy Man U having uh, pain, so I can't can't fault him for that so uh all right so the, the ronaldo uh quest will go on we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one lesser city is up next uh, i have lesser city they finished last year 14 10 and 14 for 52 points and eighth place uh they're plus 20,000 to win the league and they're over under is 49 and a half points and i think this team is going under i don't think um, brendan rogers is back he had a disappointing finish to last season after just missing out on Champions League the year before on the final day, um, believe they got pipped by Chelsea actually because I think Liverpool jumped into third. Um, that crazy season that they had. Uh, they went to the Conference League semifinal though last year, losing to Roma. I think that got some of the shine back on Brendan Rodgers. However, this is the only team, um, the only sort of like conceivably top half, uh, top of the table team that has made no major signings so far. They've also not lost anybody. So everybody's just gotten a one year older. I think Leicester city's big hope is that everybody just has a healthy full season. Um, that includes the likes of uh, Jamie Vardy, Wesley Fafana, um, Pereira amongst others. There are teams that are looking at some of the better players like Fafana and Schmike and Casper Schmeichel, their goalkeeper. Um, Who is gone by the way. Is he officially gone? Yeah. He, he went to oh. Nice this morning. Oh, okay. So I just been typing this up this morning and I didn't even notice that. So Schmeichel's gone. So, um, so I think Danny Ward is their backup goalkeeper, uh, who's not terrible. Um, he's definitely not <laughs> Casper. He's definitely not Casper Schmeichel, but he's, you know, he, he's a, it's not like they're going to an academy kid with no experience whatsoever. Danny Ward has played some Premier League stuff. Um, so I think the big, so I know, I know Brendan Rogers, um, he's in the papers. He's not super happy with the transfer window so far, obviously not bringing anybody in. Everybody's a year older. They have injury concerns and issues, um, but they are a team that when they are playing well, they can knock anybody off. Um, Liverpool found that out the hard way uh, around Christmas time last year when Leicester City was massively devastated by injuries and they managed to beat Liverpool. Um, so this team can knock off any team in the in the Premier League. Um, however, 
you know, they're, I think their high end expectation is to finish sort of in that bottom of the top six. I think this is more than likely a uh, mid to um, like a mid table team, probably 10th or 11th, honestly. Uh, so the big question the team has grown together. Um, but which team is this though? Is this the team who just missed out on champions league two years ago, or is this the team that's closer to 10th place um, than European spots? And I tend to think it's probably the latter than the former. Okay. Um, moving on MJ, your beloved Everton. They finished last year, 11, six and 21, uh, 39 points, 16th place securing promotion on the second to last day of the year. So you have to wait it out and they didn't that... secure anything. They, they, they staved off rele relegation. Yeah, so they secured not going down to the championship um, <laughs> by, by two places. Yes. Uh, they are plus 50,000 to win the league. Uh, and the over-under has them at 42 and a half points. What do you got, MJ? They had 39 points last year. And as much as I like to think they would do better than 39 points this year at 42 and a half, I just don't know where those points are going to come from. Uh, and I love this team. And I want to be positive about this next year. They have Pickford and uh, Begovic, who might be the best one-two goalie punch in the Premier League. And Everton are going to need them both. Ramsdale, Ramsdale Turner has something to say about that. As yeah, yeah. Allison <laughs> Kelleher, but you know, I understand what you're saying. They're both, they're both are quality starters on most Premier League teams, which is correct. You can't say that about most teams. So they did for the back line pick up James Tarkowski, uh, fullback from Burnley, who really knows his stuff. He just needs to get chemistry with the Everton guys who don't always know their stuff. And they also picked up uh, a young 20 year old center back named Nathan Patterson from Rangers. Again, how quickly can that back line get on the same page with Pickford and people like Seamus Coleman and Yerry Mina, Mason Holgate, et cetera. The, the big issue that I have with, Everton is the MFMF, the motherfucking midfield. We have a really phenomenal destroyer number six in, in Allen and an effective box-to-box -box midfielder in Decore, but they're 31 and 29 years old, respectively. They need to stay healthy and out of car trouble, and last year they did neither. Um, <laughs> and they're older this year. Andre Gomez hasn't been the same since Sung Hyun Monk injured the toffee out of him. And, you know, we do have a young 24-year-old local academy guy named Tom Davis and a 26-year-old Deli Alley uh, who are both inconsistent you mean for different reasons. 26-year-old uh, leg breaker Deli Alley? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Tom, Tom Davis is inconsistent because he's young and he needs more minutes. But uh, Deli Alley is inconsistent because I just don't know if he cares any, anymore. He's getting a paycheck. He's not at Tottenham anymore. And I think he kind of feels like, yeah, I'm at Everton and the expectations are low, so I'm just going to fuck around. Uh, either of you step in and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Hmm. No, um, I, I genuinely think that Jose Mourinho like broke his spirit and he's certainly not the first player that Jose has broken that way. But like Delhi is a, is a talented player, but it, it, he, is. He, doesn't even, he doesn't even seem to have like the self-respect to show it. 
it genuinely, like, he comes on the pitch, honestly, he, like, remember the old stereotype of, like, the Eastern European players who'd play with a cigarette in their hand? That's yeah. what it reminds me of. Like, <laughs> this guy does not give a fuck. If he was sitting on the sidelines with a pie and a heater when Lampard tried to put him in and he flipped him the bird and told him he wasn't playing today, none of us would be all that surprised. I'm a little... I really, I, I was he was like, one what? of the Tottenham guys I liked to watch play before Mourinho came in. So, I mean, I was excited to get him, but it, it's just like, it's a different dude. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say I'll say one thing. Sorry, MJ. I'll say one thing about Deli Ali. I'll be interested to see this year because I know last year the loan deal that he had with Spurs uh, was Everton had with Spurs basically had like there was like a if he hit a certain number of appearances, like the the number like the the so Everton would pay a lot more money for him, and so I he, think he, there it wasn't a loan or the the the, the yeah the the the, the, the transfer, transfer deal. Yeah, basically, like if he if he hits a if he hit a certain number of games in inside of the a certain period of time, the the number would go up. And so I think Everton just also didn't really want to play him. I think they thought, well, if we can just survive, we'll be fine. And then all of a sudden they were like in the fucking relegation zone, so they had to play him. And so I don't think Deli Ali at, at that time. I mean, maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he just wasn't as focused because he's like, well, I know I'm not going to play because they don't want to spend a shit ton of extra money on me because also Everton it's kind of fucked financially. Um, they are. I don't know if you're going to talk about that, but like they are very much on the, on the verge of, of FFP, uh, EPL FFP violations. Um, they have done some shady accounting, but you know, that's, that's, that's probably most Premier League teams, but it's particularly yeah. shady with, with Everton. <laughs> so they didn't want to, they didn't want to pay any, any extra money than they, than they absolutely had to. So I think now that that sort of, that uh, sort of Damocles is not hanging over Everton anymore. There's a possibility that maybe he's a little more engaged. Although watching him in that Minnesota United Everton game, he definitely did not look it. So maybe I'm just trying to uh, uh, put something on Deli Ali that's not there. It's preseason MLS coming out off a preseason Arsenal game. I'm not going to put too much stock in what he looked like playing against Minnesota United, other than it does continue the trend. Right. And to your yeah. to to your point. Uh, I'm not going to dive deep into financial fair play investigations. They are <laughs> financially fucked. They uh, have not used their transfer money uh, for Lukaku or anybody else that has left the club. Well, um, they probably get a little bit of uh, re relief with uh, sending uh, Richarlison off, but uh, you know, they, they still have, uh, Damari Gray, they still have Dominic Lewin, and as much as I like them in the attack, and we need them in the attack, you know, those are costs as well. In the attacking midfield, you know, everyone from an overachieving Andros Townsend to a, a very, why are you still on the team, Solomon Rondon, and <laughs> a, a young 20-year-old uh, Anthony Gordon, who will hopefully get more playing time that, because he deserves that, and who else are we going to play up there? Um, uh, Alex Iwobi, uh is inconsistent, but I still have not given up on him. He is, shows signs of brilliance in both uh, spatial awareness, uh, in field awareness on both attacking and, de and defense. At times, um, he looks like a complete uh, lost and like without a compass or his uh, GPS at other times. So hopefully we see more good things than bad out of him 
it's just kind of this put together team that because of the financial situation, we can't improve or we can't improve with money. We might be able to improve if we have some more people coming up from the academy. But yeah, I, I'm not, it's hard for me to be positive about this team. And I really want to be. Um, and their performance against Minnesota United did not help me be positive about, about this team. Uh, so expectations survive, God damn it. <clears throat> survive. I think, I think that's fair, um, unfortunately, because I think <clears throat> obviously Liverpool have generally had the better of Everton in the rivalry um, over the last two decades. It's still yeah. a really, it's still and, one of the best rivalries in sports. And you a little less. A little. We've spent a little less. A little. Um, so we're, 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 we're also financially solvent. Uh, so <laughs> the big, the big question is uh, besides, will they stay up is where will they finish? Because there is the chance that they could do better than the 16th place they did last year. And there is a chance they could get relegated. That'll be a roller coaster. Where. Uh, if people want to watch Everton, MJ, in the Twin Cities, where do you guys normally watch those games? We partner with uh, La Doña Cerveceria in North Minneapolis. It is a great Mexican tap room, good beer. They have uh, also a great taco stand slash uh, yuca fries slash quesadillas, other delicious things uh, that you can stay after the game and have some lunch. So cool. <clears throat> All Lots right. Of toffees. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> next up is Newcastle United. Uh, they finished last year, 13, 10 and 15 on 49 points in 11th place. Uh, they are plus 10,000 to win the league. The over the over under for them is 56 and a half points. Dan, um, what about uh, the Saudi led conglomerates? Yeah, I'm going to take the over on them. Uh, I, I really hemmed in hot on this one because I think this is a really good line. I think they'll be right about here. But uh, yeah, so as much press as the Live Golf Tour has gotten and how much money they're throwing around, we should not forget that the Saudi sports washing uh, endeavor really started with, uh, with Newcastle here. And they, they're not subtle about it. I don't know if you guys have seen their third kits for this year. Newcastle is is synonymous with black and white kits. I mean, they are, that has been the Newcastle kit since time immemorial. Alan Shearer wore it and all everybody. And it's their thing. Their third kit is a straight up green and white, like sort of Saudi flag representation thing. And I just, I kind of thought they'd go for more subtlety than they have. So, uh, but they haven't. And, you know, that's their prerogative because they're extremely rich. Uh, So they were Forward to start last year, they were 07 and 7 in their first 14 games, uh, leading to the firing of their manager. They brought in Eddie Howe. Uh, they win 12 of their last 18 games, which is one hell of a run. And they beat Arsenal in a game Arsenal really needed to win. So I hate them. Uh, and they became the first team in Premier League history to avoid relegation after failing to win any of those first 14 games. So this is a team that. Look, first two, three months of last season looked like they were dead in the water. They looked like they were getting relegated for sure. And uh, they really pulled it together. Um, so kind of the, the big question, I'll sort of tease that, is are they a team who can stretch this out for an entire season or is that just a heater of a run? 
Um, I tend to think this is a team with some real talent. I'm still high on Joe Willick. Uh, Alan St. Maxim is awesome. Joe Linton, I think, is better than... Is what? Oh, no, I say, yeah, Alan St. Maxim is is very good. He he scares the shit out of me whenever we play him, so... Yeah, and... and, uh, Bloody hell. Oh, Joe Linton, I think, is better than than he's shown. So they've really got some decent attacking pieces. Their defense was terrible last year. Just absolutely execrable. And they had some injuries... They also had a lot of like John Joe Shelby, Fabian Shar level players, totally Premier League talents, but nobody who's going to really excite you. So in January, they turned around, brought in uh, Bruno Guimarish, who was awesome, absolutely fantastic for them. And then this summer, they've showed up the defense with Nick Pope, Matt Target, and Sven Botman. This should be a really good team. Uh, to me, this is another team in that sort of five, six, seven kind of area now if last year was a fluke you could easily see them going to the bottom of the table because they still don't have a really good attacking midfielder but look this is a team for for whom money is truly no object if they're sitting in seventh or eighth place in january it's not at all hard to me it is not at all hard to see them grabbing whoever is out there for some stupid amount of money and then making a real run at europe Yeah, I kind of tend to agree there. Uh, All right, moving along. Liverpool, that is me, obviously. Uh, They finished last year in second place, 92 points, uh, 28, 8, and 2. That's good for second place. Again, one point off of Man City. Uh, They are plus 250 to win the Premier League this year. Those are obviously the second best odds uh, after Man City's. Uh, 85 and a half points is what the uh, random website gave me. I think you, they, this is an easy over, um, barring any major injury c- catastrophe like they had a couple years ago. Uh, I don't see this team getting less than 90 points uh, and finishing second place at the bare, bare minimum. Uh, they obviously lost Sadio Mane after the season to Bayern Munich, which is huge. He was, I think people tend to forget because uh, Mo Salah won the golden boot last year. But after uh, AFCON, when Sadio Mane came back uh, AFCON winner and Mo Salah, the, the loser in the final, and then again, they played basically for World Cup qualification, or they played for World Cup qualification, and again, Sadio Mane won. Salah was not himself, and Mane stepped up in a huge way. I think he scored 12 goals in the second half of the season, um, which is absolutely massive, both on the Champions League side, but also on the EPL side. However, um, and they also, I should also say, they lost Divac Origi, uh, MJ, you like that. Everton killer Divac Origi's gone from, <laughs> from, from the Liverpool final. Also, can I just say, he was not pleasant to look at. He's, he was very pleasant to look at, especially he, that man should have a, should have a statue that is facing Goodison Park from Anfield. Honestly, like that dude, <laughs> that dude owned Goodison Park for, for the like six years, for the six years he was at Liverpool. He owned Goodison Park. That was, that was I, his, you all live there rent free. You know, he lived there rent free uh, in your guys' heads, obviously. So I want to say that Divac Origi, uh, dynamic player, attacking player, I would say underrated, but highly like, because he's overshadowed, shadowed always by the bigger names at Liverpool while he was there. And yet as people under as all teams underestimated him, Everton made him look really, really good, like way better than he ever should have looked yeah. good. And, and it, but I say that he, he was overall under underrated. And yeah, I be- don't like saying that a lot by about anybody that, Wears LFC on their fucking kit. 
he was so he was he was super bought into the to the project. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time, but like see, no, he could have left. He could have left a couple. That. He could have left a couple years ago and for first team football. Um, I think he was just super bought in. I think he really liked Klopp. He really liked working with all the players, and he got he got some massive some massive minutes against a massive uh, massive game. So um, also lost to, to Kumi Minamino, uh, the RB uh, Salzburg signing from a few years ago. <clears throat> um, but Origi went to AC Milan. Uh, I think he wants to get into that Belgian national team side, and I think he needed to get starting team minutes to do that. So, but they lose those three attackers uh, again. Sorry, might being the biggest one, but they brought in Darwin Nunez. They had Darwin Nunez locked up before they even agreed to terms with uh, Sadio Mane with Bayern Munich and Sadio Mane. So, that's a, a it's not a, a very like for like replacement. I don't know if you've seen how tall Sadio Mane is versus how tall Darwin Nunez is. Um, Darwin Nunez is more of a straight up nine. Um, and Sadio Mane could play on the left. He could play in the middle. Um, so, so, so I think Sadio Mane is a little more versatile than Nunez. But with the attacking front that um, Liverpool has with Salah, Jota, just, who just inked an extension this morning, um, uh, uh, Diaz, who they just brought in last January and just and took to the team like gangbusters, they have, I think, arguably the best attacking line, uh, front, front three in, you know, front three slash front four, in the EPL. I think City is up there with them, but in terms of depth, um, and we talk about the the two the teams that will benefit the most from the five subs, Chelsea, Dan, I think you mentioned, you said Chelsea, I think you're right. I think Liverpool, um, mm-hmm. especially considering yep. that Klopp has shown that he's willing to deviate from that 4-2-3-1 when needed. Um, and so if, he, if he's willing to bring in some different looks with different players, I think that is just going to immensely benefit Liverpool across the entire season. Um, the midfield is still seen as a possible issue with a lot of fans. Um, I don't agree with that, but you know, people who watch the team a little bit more than I do, um, just seems weird, but you know, they are in England and stuff. So, uh, but they have a lot of young enough players coming up through the system, uh, through the Academy. We forget that Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott were injured for most of the year last year. So those are two young guys. They brought in Fabio Carvalho from Fulham who can play in the middle. Um, Hori can play up front so he could step in for, say for a Sala to give Sala a rest. <clears throat> but honestly, man, I'll take my chances with Thiago, Fabinho, and Henderson most matches. That's a pretty formidable uh, uh, three and a 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, the defense is another year older, but Robertson is, I think, 26, TAA. I don't know if you guys watched the, the Community Shield on Saturday, but that dude is jacked now. Like, <laughs> he, got, he got fucking ripped. Um, and Konate are all very young. Konate uh, picked up a knock um, on Monday, unfortunately. Virgil van Dijk is one more year removed from his knee surgery. And Matip, uh, Joel Matip finally played an entire season uh, without any major injuries, which is something that he hasn't done in quite some time. So they also brought in Calvin Ramsey to deputize uh, Trent, um, much like they brought in uh, Simicus last year to deputize for uh, Eddie Robertson. So I could see Calvin Ramsey getting some run out, um, especially in some like Champions League games, giving uh, Trent a, a break. But also maybe if you need to deputize Trent into the midfield, um, I could possibly see that happening as well. It's lots of people actually thought that that's where he would actually end up, um, both with Liverpool and with the English national team. And then obviously in goal, you have uh, uh, Allison, who is a god, um, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And um, Adrian, who is not a terrible backup. And then you have uh, uh, Cleveland Kelleher, who uh, won the Carabao Cup last year. So lots of good players in goal. Expectations. It's got to be win the damn league, <laughs> win win one either the league or the Champions League. You got to do one of those, and I think the 
almost everybody on Merseyside who's who's a red is going to say win the league. We'd rather win the league. Champions League is great, but we'd rather win the damn league again. Um, so that's like bare minimum is. And, and honestly, they they were two goals away from doing from doing the double last year, right? They, um, I guess technically three goals because they need to score two in that Champions League final. But if they don't give up a late goal to Brentford, um, they win the league because they'll get instead of getting one point, they get three points. Um, if they score two goals in the Champions League final, they win the Champions League. So they were three goals away from a, a unprecedented quadruple. So this team is right there. The big question I have, they played the maximum amount of matches that you could play last year. I think 63 in total. <laughs> um, and they, again, missed out on that quadruple by basically two to three goals, depending on how you feel, you feel about it. Do they have the gas to run it back? I think, you know, five subs is helpful um, in terms of giving people rest and all that, but can Klopp manage? And, and I don't do not doubt Klopp to be able to manage all of the egos and everything he's been doing it for the last five years, especially the last few years with both Mane, Firmino, bringing Jota, Diaz, Sala, all those guys. Can he manage it? Can he not manage the egos, but can he manage the minutes for all the players so that he doesn't burn anybody out? Will he manage his press in a way that doesn't burn his players out? I don't think he, I don't think he cares about that. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's much like, I don't, in a, you know, like, wow. <laughs> he, um, I, I don't think I, 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 when I say, I don't think he cares about that MJ. I don't think he, I think that that, that locker room is, is, is so tight knit that whatever he says, it's the, the players don't perceive it to be an attack attacks on them. Much unlike someone like Jose Mourinho, who would, you know, not even, not even implicitly, but explicitly attack his players. Um, Klopp, no, no. Is, is, Klopp is very theatrical. I'm, right? not, you're, I'm talking about the, not the media Indian press. Yeah, like, like, a, like, a, like a full court oh, press, not like the, the media. Will, will oh, he the, manage his defensive press so that he doesn't burn out his players like he fucking does every fucking season? <laughs> except, except he didn't last year. They played, they played 63 fucking games and they almost won the quadruple. I think that that knock on him is, is not is um, trying to think of the best way to describe it. Uh, bullshit is the best way to describe it because <laughs> I don't think he, that's not how he plays anymore. Like, yes, they do press, but it's not that heavy metal football that they played those first year and a half under him. Right. That's when he didn't have the players that he, he didn't have all the players in that he needed. So he's like, I'm going to bring the system. This will create turnovers. This will create chaos. Now the team is smart enough. If you watch Liverpool, you can see, when they decide to press from the front, when they the back line decides to step up and press, when the midfield is, is pressing, I think he's man, he's figured that out. He's figured out the press and and when and and the players on the pitch all, which I think is, is going to be the biggest question for Nunez is that Sala knows when to do it, um, uh, Firmino knows when to do it, Jota knows when to do it, Diaz has picked it up. I think the big question for Nunez is, is and I think one of the biggest sort of knocks on him is he, is he's not really known for his pressing. Um, and for his defense, but he's going to need to do it for Liverpool. And so whether he's able to pick that up and do it, or is he going to be the, the, the weak link in that if when they are pressing from the front, is Nunez the guy they're going to be able to, to bypass? Um, because if everybody's playing on the right page, it's going to be really hard. It's when they, when they, and when they go, it's really hard. They don't go every, that's the thing. I think the thing that people think about with Liverpool is that that Gagan pressing that they're going pressing hard all the time. They don't do that anymore. That's not, Liverpool style, um, contrary to popular belief. And I think contrary to, to people's hope that they're just going to burn out. Cause again, that team played 63 games last year and, uh, almost did the damn thing. So 
So maybe this is a good time to interject something that we haven't covered yet, but it affects pretty much every team in the league, which is this is a World Cup year. Mm -hmm. And it's a fucked up World Cup year because this team, these guys are going to play the World Cup in November because uh, we decided to have it in the desert for reasons that are very stupid. Uh, So I I agree with your point that Liverpool doesn't press the way that they did in Klopp's first few seasons. But you know who does is a lot of national teams. So it'll be very interesting to see if some of those guys who are getting pulled into – the English squad, uh, Mosala with Egypt, the Uruguayan uh, squad. Egypt, Egypt didn't qualify. Oh, didn't they? Oh, that's right. Yep. So, so, okay. So, so he, Sal- he, gets, he gets a break. So Salah gets a break. Robertson gets a break. Um, obviously, I don't think Uruguay presses like 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 Nunez will be expected to at Liverpool. Um, yes, in your, so most most of the better, like the bet, the top six to ten teams are going to be losing a lot of guys. But there's also a lot of guys that are going to be you know sitting around getting a holiday in the middle of the season, which I think actually for Salah is something that, um, that dude, I mean, that dude played football for basically 14 straight months in the, in the past 14 months with the yeah, AFCON. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, in January too, like, you know, typically you can find some rest for, for a guy like Salah um, in some matches, especially like care, you know, things like care about cup and stuff, which you do, but like that dude played intense matches for 14 straight months. Um because like one of the only things he wants is for Egypt to win a fucking trophy while he's still there, right? Like that's like right. the only thing he hasn't done is outside of winning a uh, gold, uh, winning a uh, a Ballon d'Or. Personally, like team wise, the only thing he hasn't done is Egypt winning uh, winning a trophy. So he was going hard. Obviously, Sadio Mane was going hard for a lot a lot of time. So so yes, it's going to be weird that you know we're losing players in the middle of the season. Um, but it's not every player. Uh, I think it'll be good for some. Um, it'll be, it'll be good motivation for some. So there's some guys on the Liverpool team, like Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, um, Joe Gomez, if he, if he gets a run out who would be playing to get onto that England squad and are going to want to show out. Right. And I think there's, that's like, there's like, we have players like that on every single team in the EPL. Like they're going to be, they're maybe on the, on the brink, they're on the cusp of a national team call up for the world cup. And so they're going to want to go hard and, and show that they can do it. So you maybe get a, a benefit out of them for the first half of the season. And then there's maybe a, a drawback in the second half of the season if they go hard, get hurt, or something like that. So there's, I think there's give and take. Although it is, again, to your point, it's a really shitty, really shitty setup. <laughs> because what they, they get done, and then they, they eight days later, they play, there's the first World Cup games. Like England is done. And then I think, yeah, I think eight days later is the first World Cup games. The World Cup final is happens. And then, I think eight days later is the Boxing Day matches on December 26th. So there's there's literally no rest. Yeah, I mean you'll you'll get a little bit because you know at most, what let's say 22 and 10 subs, so 30 ish players. Uh, you know everybody else will get some some rest in there, but uh, yeah, I mean I, one of the big stories of this year for every single team is going to be how do you manage fatigue, how do you manage injuries. Um, mm-hmm. because guys are like, as an Arsenal fan, I can tell you guys come back from international breaks and they're hurt. Uh, this is the story of Arsenal circa 2000 to present. So he, yeah. Liverpool lost Joe Gomez and Trent Alexander-Arden up to, inter, in, to international duty too. So it's, I think any of the good teams are, this is going to be something you're going to you're gonna have to figure out and deal with. So, um, it's just a matter of, of who manages better, honestly. Speaking of good teams, uh, all right, let's transition to uh, the champions from last year, Man City. They finished with 29 wins, six draws, and three losses, 93 points. First place, um, 
don't think they made it to a Champions League final, though. Uh, just throwing that out there. They are the favorites to win the league, minus 163, um, which means you need to bet $163 to win 100 on them right now, currently. Uh, they over under for them, um, kind of like Liverpool. It's a little lower than I would generally put this. Uh, I would, I would probably actually put if I had, to, if I was doing the over unders, I would probably put Liverpool's at this 89 and a half and, and Man City's maybe a, about a 90 and a half. But, um, as we have it stand, it's 89 and a half points. MJ, how do you expect Man City to do this year? Take the over unless they completely collapse and somehow or have a, ton of injuries coming from the world cup take the over uh they did 93 points last year we're in first place over under 89.5 i'm not saying bet your child's college fund but i would take the over they picked up two germans the one that you haven't heard of is goalkeeper stefan ortega from relegated armenia uh Armenia Bielefeld, Bielefeld, wasn't it? Bielefeld. Thank yep. you. Yeah, Bielefeld. I know that guy. Um, but uh, the other German that you have heard of, or I guess not German, but from a German team, uh, Norwegian guy, Erling Holland from Borussia Dortmund. Uh, he scored 29 goals in all competitions, three in the Champions League. Uh, they also picked up a 26-year-old midfielder Calvin Phillips from Leeds United because why not add more depth to their midfield um and so he was a 42 million pounds transfer between the 42 million pounds transfer for Phillips and the 52 I think million pound transfer for Holland that is way more pounds than I gained during COVID uh <laughs> striker depth uh they have Jack Grealish off the bench uh, Julian Alvarez uh, on loan from River Plate is a interesting young ad in the attack. They still have Phil Foden. They still have De Bruyne. They still have Mares. Uh Interesting as far as like the defensive or center midfield for them, just absolute depth. Uh, Bernardo Silva and Rodri will start at the eight and six. But then they have Gurdouan and Calvin Phillips that I just talked about. Uh, just silly amounts of depth in the central midfield. I would say that in the attacking midfield, you start getting to that lack of depth that I would agree with my colleagues that Chelsea probably benefits from the five subs the most and Liverpool probably benefits at second. Uh, Man City third, but you look, uh, you know, Cole Palmer did get minutes last year. He's 20 years old. And then a lot of their other adept, we're talking academy guys, uh, you know, 19-year-old James McAtee, uh, young Brazilian Kaki at right wing, and Liam DeLapp at striker. Um, and they're all 19 years old. So a lot of young depth for Man City. Granted, they could still transfer in maybe somebody else, but um, they have a very – scary looking starting 11 with a very scary looking amounts of depth with a lot of flexibility in the way that pep can play his midfield yeah i think one of the really interesting questions with this team 
is a little bit something David touched on with Liverpool, which is what do you care about? I mean, this is a team built to make runs in multiple competitions, right? It's I so I I rostered both Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling in fantasy last year, and I think Jack Grealish because I wasn't paying attention, and it was maddening because they were not consistently playing in the prem, but they would get minutes in Champions League, they would get FA Cup minutes, and they were dominant. This year, with so many competitions that that they are expected to win, they they will be expected to win every competition they're in. Even if there's good, you know, even if Real Madrid still exists, and I'm I'm given to believe that they do. So <laughs> if if you are sacrificing a major competition, what are you? What is not worth winning to them anymore? Uh, are they going to focus on the Champions League this year because they won the league last year? And these questions probably are mostly academic at this point. But imagine Bernardo Silva gets hurt. Imagine uh, Grealish gets hurt. Imagine Holland gets hurt again. He missed a bunch of last season with injuries. Now you really do have to start thinking, okay, what competitions do we care about and which ones are we willing to let go? Obviously, they're not going to like prioritize the EFL Cup just because they haven't won it lately. But, you know, for the, for the real competitions, the ones people actually care about. Didn't they win the domestic treble two years ago? Sure, probably. Yeah, I stopped so caring I, when Arsenal falls out of the, the Carabao and FA Cups. Um, so I, th- I think they did win the Football League Cup like two years ago uh, with the FA Cup. I, this gets to my big question, Dan. The, what do you care about? My expectation is they win first place in the Premier League and then they want more hardware. What of that more hardware do they want? And where, what baskets are going to place their eggs into? Big question, will that ugly diagonally striped red-black throwback kit sell? And more importantly, will Pep finally win a higher-than-a-domestic trophy with not Barcelona, not Bayern Munich, but Man City? All right. I don't, I'm not going to talk too much shit about Man City, um, just for my marriage. <laughs> However, I'm going to put, put one crazy-ass prediction and that is uh, Alexander Mitrovic scores more goals in the in the Premier League than Erling Holland does. Oh, that's that's it. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, anything else on Man City from either of you? If you want to slag on Man City, like I'm, I'll give you the rest of the fucking time. I just, I'm not <laughs> gonna do it myself. So I I will join with MJ in shitting on that red and black kid, which is ugly as sin and should be burned. <laughs> all right. Uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, this will be Dan. Last year, they finished fourth place in the championship, uh, but they won the playoff, uh, finishing uh, 23, 11, and 12 on 80 points. They are uh, plus 75,000 to win the Premier League this year. Uh, over under on them is 36 and a half points. Dan, how is uh, Nottingham Forest going to do this year? Uh, I'm taking the under on that. Uh, this, is a, this is an interesting team. Uh, you know, with Fulham, we saw a team that scored goals and scored goals, and they would ship a couple, but it didn't matter because they were scoring three a game. Uh, so Nottingham Forest doesn't quite have that distinctly great offense or amazingly good defense. They were just a pretty good championship team. They, they were very consistent throughout the year. Uh, they, they won the promotion playoff uh, because Huddersfield scored an own goal, and I didn't know that until I was prepping for this, and I just feel bad. I feel really bad for that guy. That sucks. Um, one big loss, they, they didn't do the Norwich thing, which is get promoted and then sell their good players. Uh, but they won't have Jed Spence. 
who headed to Tottenham after ruining Arsenal in the EFL Cup. He played so well in that game. He played so well in that game, Arsenal tried to sign him afterwards, and then it turned out, because of weird English rules, they couldn't. Uh, Their big addition, uh, so Jesse Lingard was available on a free. He was going to either play, I mean, there were some rumors that he would play in the U.S. There was a rumor that he was going to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is a lot like Nottingham Forest for reasons I won't explain um, <laughs> or not like it at all. I think that's actually the one. That's the one. One of them's a desert and the other's a forest. Very different. Uh, but they're paying a fortune in his salary. They very clearly have pinned their hopes to him. Uh, it's arguably a good piece of business. You don't have to pay another team any money. You can pay the player. It does make him harder to sell if they are really out of things in January and they just want to sort of get what they can get for him. Um, but this team just isn't that good. They're not. I, I I would love to tell you there's something to be really excited about with this team, and it's just not there. Uh, I'm not saying this is going to be a Derby County situation where, you know, they're relegated by, like, mid-January or anything, but I don't see this team taking points off of good teams. I don't see them really even hassling teams in the mid table. Like if, if Lingard catches a heater to try to like show West Ham that they should have bought him or to hurt Manchester United. Cool. That's fine. And, and that's fun. But this is, isn't a good team. Uh, my expectation for them is they're going to be the first team relegated. The big question is, is Jesse Lingard good enough to keep them from the drop? And the answer, I don't think Jesse Lingard's that good. Fair enough. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Spurs are up next. I have Spurs 22, five and 11 last year, 71 points. Good enough for fourth place. Uh, pipping Arsenal <clears throat> to that. As I'm remind Dan, uh, they're yeah, plus so I, you and West baby. <laughs> Every time I'm in black card. Hey, dude. Ah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus 1200 to win the league. And I have the over under on them at 72 and a half points. <clears throat> this is an inch. So Tottenham is an interesting team. They didn't, they haven't lost a ton. Um, looks like Los Celso is probably on his way out. Uh, they brought in Richarlison, um, Basuma from uh, uh, Brighton, and uh, Ivan Perisic on a free from Inter uh, to buoy both uh, Harry Kane and, and Hungmin San, who are, you know, again, both a year older. Kane, we'll see. The big, the, I think the big question, no, not even the big question, but like a quick a question that the team has is Kane did not look, re- did not look good for over half of a year. Um, was that sort of fallout from, you know, he tried to force a move and didn't get it. Was he just upset, but he looked a lot better in the second half of the season. Uh, Hung Min San just always does damage whenever you don't expect him to, even when you do expect him to, he does damage. Um, they've maintained a lot of consistency. You know, they built that brand new stadium, obviously right as COVID was happening. So I think they've been, <laughs> they've been a little hesitant to spend money. Um, but bringing a player like Richarlison, who always causes trouble for teams, although he's also often very offsides all the time as well. So, uh, so but he's he's interesting and, and good depth for both Kane and Son. And, and if he actually gets some, um, he actually gets some service, could be uh, could be a, a dangerous dangerous striker for for the Spurs. Uh, again, so they've they have have a little bit of depth. Um, it's mostly young pieces though. So they have a I think they have a really good complement of starters. And then after that, like outside of Richarlison, it kind of falls off in terms of the depth that they have. So, you know, going back to that sort of five sub rule, is five subs going to help Tottenham? I don't know. It's not going to hurt them. Like this is a team that probably could find five pretty decent players to play. 
but some of that is going to be some young, younger uh, academy talent or things like that. Uh, expectations. So delusional Spurs fans have them challenging for the league and the Champions League. Uh, regular Spurs fans just finish ahead of Arsenal. Uh, everyone else, I think this team should be competing for top four and our trophy, probably one of the domestic uh, domestic trophies, either Carabao um, or FA Cup. Uh, and the big question is Antonio Conte. I mean, this dude has won almost every, pretty much everywhere he's gone. He also burns out real quickly. <laughs> and he came in last year um, after uh, Nuno kind of got the Spurs off to a really shitty start. He righted the ship, got everything figured out. Got him to a fourth place finish in Champions League for this year. Um, he doesn't have a long track record of staying in one place for a very long period of time. So does Conte um, burn out or does he burn out some of the players? And this team has a another Jose Mourinho situation where he you know, comes in, does a really good job for a very short period of time, gets to the next season, and then it's uh, then it's a shit show. So I don't think so. I think I think Tottenham's going to be fighting again for that for top four all year. Um, I think they uh, very likely pip it as well. So, but that is to be to be determined. Dan, as the regular Spurs hater here, do you have anything on Tottenham you want to add? Um, yeah, I mean, look, they've had a, they've had a fairly decent off season. I don't love the Richarlison signing. I don't think he. So they they sold him. They bought him for sixty million pounds, and I don't see him being worth that. And I, I don't see him being worth that to this team who didn't need an elite attacker. Um, right. <clears throat> it was, that was, that was an interesting one. I, I will give you that. It was like, unless they see like Kane or son, maybe having a drop off and, you know, and, or maybe they see that with the, with the five subs, they can bring Richarlison on for one of those two, every game for 30 minutes or something to give them a little bit of rest. Maybe yeah. I mean, your- you could definitely, you could definitely do a squad rotation thing there. This is a team that I think will suffer from the the World Cup because you do have Kane who's going to go with England. You have Richarlison who's going to go with uh, Brazil. You have Son who's South Korea qualified, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> For a split second, I was like, wait, did they? So all three of those guys will be making some kind of a run both brazil and england will be thinking about making deep runs potentially being in that final hugo Lloris, got chain- Lloris, their goalie will be gone yeah well i just mean even from the attack so yeah. you really do have a need to find ways to rest those guys especially with being back in champions league i just there are so many players on tottenham that I look at and go, okay, I can kind of see how they're doing a job, but it's just, it's hard to get really excited about them. And it's, a, it's been that way for a long time with this team. I like uh, Eric Lamella is a perfect example where I realize he's not on the team anymore, but Gio Lo Celso and Don Belay, um, who was the guy I almost just drafted, uh, Sergio <laughs> Regulon, Sergio Regulon, who uh, is probably headed to not Tottenham in the next couple of days. And so all of a sudden you start to look at this team and they're really heavily reliant on a, a 37 year old, even Parisage. Maybe he hacks it again for another season that they're hoping he does, but age is what it is. And like Matt Doherty. And I don't, I don't, they are going to be in a fight no matter where they are in the table, whether they finish in third to seventh, which is going to be kind of a dog fight. And if you pull each of those teams out and say, okay, this guy has to be successful. Do you really want it to come down to like Hugo Lloris, Matt Doherty, and some center back? 
as opposed to Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech, and Edward Mendy for Chelsea or for Arsenal, you know, can Kieran Tierney stay healthy? What do you do with William Saliba, et cetera? So this isn't me hating. It's just me looking at Tottenham and struggling to see how this team is going to be good in two competitions plus the World Cup and kind of expecting a crash out in the round of 16 and maybe fifth place in, in the prom. Hmm. All right, MJ, um, you're up with Southampton. They are uh, 75 plus 75,000 to win the league. Uh, finished last year in 15th place at 9, 13, and 16 on 40 points. Their over-under is 38 and a half points. What you got? They finished one place above Everton. And you kind of got you, you got all, a lot of the shit teams from this year <laughs> this year, man. I'm sorry. You, no one else wanted to talk about them, and I'm willing to talk about them, and and that's okay. Uh, they did 40 points last year, 38.5 over under this year, and I say take the under. I think they will get relegated this year, uh, and I, if that's a hot take, whatever, May, maybe the take is on fire. Uh, they still have Kyle Walker, Walker Peters at fullback and some guy named Theo Walcott off the bench. Um, their young, hopeful uh, Ghanaian, uh, Mohamed uh, Salisu at center back. He's good. Um, in the midfield, they have their captains, Oriel Romeo and James Ward Prowse. Uh, sadly, not related to Darth Vader's David Prowse, but James Ward Prowse will cut up midfields like a lightsaber. <laughs> despite this, and despite picking up Joe Aribo from Rangers and Romeo Lavia and, and City and improving their midfield, um, Seiko Morrow from Bordeaux, uh, I don't see how they improve from last year. In fact, I see them getting worse. Uh, Big question, will they stay up and will the 20-year-old Nigerian-Irish goalkeeper Gavin Bazunu help them do it? Nigerian-Irish, huh? That's that's a combination you don't get very often. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, in football, you get all kinds. That's true. So, that is very true. That is very true. <laughs> so, um, Mohamed Saeed, Eritrean Swedish guy, you know, like, again, you get, you yes. get all kinds. Yep. Uh, very cool. Uh, all right. We're wrapping it up. We're getting very close to the end. West Ham United last year finished in seventh place, 16, eight and 14 was the record 56 points. They are plus 15,000 to win the league. 52 and a half points is their over under Dan. Uh, what do you got? I'm going to take the under. This is a good line though. Uh, look, this was a, a really interesting team for a lot of last year, but they faded incredibly badly. They took eight points after April 1st. Uh, and they lost two legs to Eintracht Frankfurt to fall out of the Europa League, where they were making a very solid run. Um, this is a team built on their attack. Uh, Michael Antonio was supposed to be the focal point of it, and instead we had Jared Bowen show up. Uh, prior to last season, he had nine goals and nine assists in his two Premier League seasons. Last year, he had 12 goals and 10 assists. So that's a nice little breakout for him. Uh they their big offseason acquisition was Skamaka, who came over from Italy. He was rumored to be an Arsenal target. Um, Italy's producing a lot of really good strikers right now, uh, but it's an interesting fit on a team that has Michael Antonio, Jared Bowen, Saban Rama, 
they did get rid of uh, Yarmolenko, so there's some minutes available there. But this is a team that's very, very top-heavy. Uh, and a lot of work is going to fall to Manuel Lanzini trying to get the ball distributed effectively. For opposing defenses, on the other hand, this means you really can't key on Michelantonio. Um, and if they play both of these guys at once, both pretty big bodies, that's a lot to, to cope with in the box. So I expect West Ham to be good again. There's really no reason they won't be. I think the defense in midfield is a little suspect when you compare it to Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, even Newcastle to a lesser extent. Um, so my expectation is a little bit more of the same. Somewhere between Europa League, Europa Conference League, I kind of tip them to be the Conference League team. Um, gun to my head, I think Newcastle's probably the better of the two of them. But uh, David Moyes, after bouncing around and getting kicked out of some pretty good clubs, has definitely found a place where he's welcome. Um, I think the, the one really interesting thing this year for West Ham is uh, there's a, a thing called a Q score, which is how people think about brands and clubs and all that kind of stuff. And no matter how good West Ham is this year, they could be Champions League quality. They won't be. They could challenge for the league. They won't. Uh, their Q score is going to go into the absolute shitter because Ted Lasso has made them the villain of football for everyone who doesn't watch the actual Premier League. And I think that's wonderful because West Ham sucks. Yeah, they they play in a uh, an old Olympic stadium, which they didn't do a great job converting for, for actual proper football. So, uh, yeah, anyways, I, I'm a little I mean, I may be a little more bullish on West Ham than you are, but I, I think right around that sort of Newcastle, Leicester, um, Astonville line is probably those, those four teams seem like they're going to be sort of battling it out for those last, maybe Europa conference league, maybe make a run in one of the tournament spots. So. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very sour on Leicester. So they're the ones yeah. that I see being kind of the odd team out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then finally we have, uh, last but not least the Wolverhampton Wanderers, <clears throat> Last year, they finished 15, 6, and 17 uh, for 51 points. That was good for 10th place, uh, top half of the table finish. They are plus 50,000 to win the league. Uh, 42 and a half points is their over-under, uh, according to, like I said, that data that I had. Uh, I would hit the over on this one. Um, the Wolves had maybe one of the worst injury crises in the, in the league last year. Uh, they lost Jimenez for a very long period of time with a tr like a crazy head injury. He came back and they got injured again. Uh, Jose saw their goalkeeper was maybe the best goalkeeper in the Premier League in the second half of the season. He saved their asses many times. Connor Cody is still is probably one of the best center backs in 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 the league. Um, I know he doesn't get the same plaudits that someone like Virgil Van Dijk or Emmerich Laporte or those guys do, but. Day in, day out, that, that dude goes to work and gets it done. He also scores goals, which is something that is always welcomed out of your center back if you can do it. I think Pedro Neto, Ruben Neves are very solid. I think questions that we have for Wolves, um, can Jimenez stay healthy for most of the season? He's He actually just pulled, a, he had a, a, a injury. So he's out till I think, mid-September. The question is, can they get him back? Because that guy is, he, I don't think he scored more than like seven goals of the season. He could be a potential 20-goal scorer in the EPL, if he actually stayed healthy, um, they had a, they were, this is one of those weird teams where they would, um, they would win one to nothing or they'd have zero, zero draws. So they were like in it. They, they were like battling for European spots till about the last month of the season. 
And then again, um, they just were really banged up and just couldn't fit it, couldn't finish it out. I think a fun fact about Wolves, they've scored 74 goals combined in the last two seasons. Uh, last year, last year, City scored 99, Liverpool scored 94, and Chelsea scored 76 goals last season. Wolves have scored 74 goals combined the last two seasons, I believe, 38 and 36. They just get by it. They're, they're really, they're really good defensively. I said Jose Sa, uh, Jose Sa might be um, the best goalkeeper in the in the EPL, honestly. Uh, and I say that as a as a fan of Allison and also a fan of Ederson. So I have my expectations that they stay in the top half of the table. Although again, it really kind of depends on what happens with Adama Traore. He is possibly on his way out. I know Spurs have been inquiring about him. Um, you know, Liverpool was looking at him a couple years ago, but I don't think he actually is going to go there, but I know Spurs are interested, which again would not make a ton of sense for Spurs. I don't know why they would go be going after Adama Traore, but uh, they have been rumored. Big question is what is the Wolves ambition? Um, so this team is, is um, I believe owned by uh, a Chinese or used to be owned by a Chinese conglomerate. Um, there's lots of Portuguese uh, influence on the club in the front office. So there's lots of Portuguese players. Um, I believe to your point, Dan, with the Saudi Arabia kit for uh, Newcastle, um, Wolverhampton has, has worn a, uh, a Portugal kit more or less because <laughs> um, there's lots of uh, Portuguese influence on the club. So what is their ambition? Is, is the Wolves' ambition to just con- be a consistent middle-of-the-table EPL team, which is not, you know, with everything that comes with EPL, not a terrible ambition. Um, so is it just staying up, um, or is it competing for European spots? Because the team hasn't done a, a bunch to bring in players that take them to the next level. Uh, as it currently stands, I think they are a mid-table team. If everything goes right for them, Jimenez can stay healthy so they can get maybe a few more goals they could maybe compete for that conference league spot or make a run in one of the tournaments. Um, as it currently stands, I think this is just a middle of the road team. They're not going to beat anybody really good. They may steal a draw or two. Um, they should beat up on the teams below them um, and just manage to stay in, in, you know, stay, like I said, middle of the table. So I guess that's the big question for, for Wolves. All right. We've gone through every single team. Um, we have a couple other things to, to get through. Uh, what are your two favorite, your two teams in your non-favorite team division that you are excited to watch? Uh, we'll start with Dan. Uh, this should be no surprise given how glowing I was in their segment, but Leeds is my number one. Uh, and number two for me is probably going to be Liverpool. Um, actually, there's a bunch of fun teams to watch this year, and I genuinely like it. So let me let me preface this with, don't ever watch Manchester United. Don't. <laughs> watch, a, watch a fun team. Uh, but Liverpool should be great. Um, I, I do share some questions about their midfield, but this is a team that can defend really well when they need to. And that attack is going to be really fearsome. Yep. MJ. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, the mainly because of the flock of seagulls references, but also because I, the, I like watching teams that play possession. They play possession really well. Um, they don't score like the next team on my list, which is Man City, who play possession but score a lot of goals from possession. So just stylistically, those are two teams that I will like to watch. And, you know, also whether they win or they lose, I'll be able to probably have fun either way. <clears throat> yep, that's a fair point. I should, I mean, I should put Man City in here, but because I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to say Arsenal to those points I talked about earlier, Dan. Um, you guys are... That team is, is young and fun. 
and could be all over the place. Um, yep. <laughs> it's, and that is, and I, that my second team is Fulham for the exact same reason. They're not really young, but they are all over the place. Like, I think there's gonna be a lot of Arsenal and Fulham games that have that feature three, four, five goals in them um, for good or ill for either of those teams. And I think as a neutral, if I'm just thinking of this completely as a neutral, not as a Liverpool fan, not wanting to see Man City go 0 and 38, um, as just someone who wants chaos. And I think, I think you could do a lot worse than Arsenal and Fulham for straight up chaos. I would throw, maybe throw Crystal Palace in there too, just because of yep. some of the things you mentioned too. Like, but Arsenal and Fulham are the two that I'm going to be kind of, if I'm not, if my team's not playing, I'm going to be in one of those two teams is on. I'll throw that one on the TV or on the computer for sure. Um, yeah, Palace, Palace Palace actor, I'll throw Wolves, who you just covered. In on yeah. The, like watch for chaos. They're just, the Wolves, they're just so, like they're not so defensively stout. I just don't see them as a chaos team, but I, I totally understand your point, MJ, because they are sometimes they'll they'll be like, the games will be zero like very boring zero zero draws. Well, right. this is actually towards the end of last year, there'd be very boring zero zero draws, and then all of a sudden, in the last ten minutes of the game, there'd be three goals. <laughs> like Wolves yeah. would score two, and then the other team would score one, and then like, it's like everything just kind of like falls apart for the last ten minutes, or I guess it opens up. I like defense more, and I like lower scoring games more. So, like for me, chaos maybe looks a little differently, but yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing, the one thing I will, I will note on Wolves is when Nelson Semedo gets back from his current injury, it will be the first time that he and Johnny Otto have been the fullbacks together in like 18 months. Cause they both had injuries on and off. Both of those guys love to get forward. And so we may legitimately see a Wolves team that can actually attack and leaves themselves hilariously open behind. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Let's We'll see what we'll see how much money Jose saw is worth in that point then because yeah exactly there, there'll be a lot of Jose saw versus the world there'll be a lot of it's like it's like those times when Liverpool gets really up and then all of a sudden uh, a ball like Harry Kane hits a ball over the defense and it's Hunman song coming on against Alice and it's just like two dudes running at each other and it's like <laughs> you don't know what's gonna happen man it could be it could be fucking awesome it could be fucking terrible they both might die but it's gonna be fun either way so all right. Last two things. Let's do our uh, our top six, actually. Um, so I, I have odds for them for teams to finish in the top four. Um, obviously, unexpected. Man City is minus ten thousand to finish in the top four. That's anywhere from first to fourth. Liverpool is minus one thousand. Tottenham minus one sixty seven, and Chelsea minus one thirty four. Those are the four favorites to finish in the top four. Uh, Arsenal's at plus one thirty five. Manchester United plus one seventy five. Newcastle plus eight hundred. West Ham plus 1400, Leicester City plus 1600, and Aston Villa at plus 1800. How do we see the top six uh, rolling out? Dan, I'll start with you. So we all have the same top two, uh, as I think everyone in the world does. Oh, yeah. So my order- let's, let's, do, let's do it this way. Let's, let's, let's start from the top and go down because um, I think that's, that makes more for more dramatic uh, things. So who do you and MJ have, Dan? MJ, just say it out loud Man City. Man City. Boo, I have Liverpool. Obviously, I have Man City second. Um, MJ Dan have Liverpool second. Uh, I have Spurs in third place. Um, Chelsea. MJ, MJ and Dan share, share a third. With Chelsea, I have, yep. I have Chelsea in fourth. Spurs so in fourth. I have Arsenal uh, in fourth, getting that last Champions League spot. Yep. So, Ooh, I MJ, hope it happens, Dan. MJ and I are pretty much chalk in terms of the, the top four odds currently. Dan, obviously... Um, I mean, there's, I mean, there might be a little bit of bias there, but I, I think you've, you've legitimately made a good point about how you think ourselves are better than Spurs. So I'm not going to, um, 
getting you there I at think all. they're really close. I, I yeah. genuinely see these teams as very, very close. And I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see how it plays out. So St. Totteringham's Day is going to go to the very end of the end of the it year? It will. <laughs> if we get a St. Totteringham's Day, it's going to be Mother's Day again. Um, all right. We, MJ and I both have Arsenal. Um, and obviously Dan has Spurs in fifth. Uh, here's, here's where it gets weird. In sixth place, uh, Dan, we'll start with you. So Dan, MJ, and then myself. I think I've made my point on Newcastle pretty clear. I rate this team. I think they're good front to back. I think they are decent in the midfield, which I don't necessarily believe of the other teams kind of in this quadrant. So I have Newcastle finishing sixth. MJ. I have West Ham finishing sixth. I initially had Manchester United in there. And then I realized that, no, this is your throwaway pick of like, just put someone random in there and don't be boring. Cause I was really boring with my top five. So, um, yeah, West Ham is in sixth. MJ, I think there's a legitimate chance that Man U finishes in like eighth. So no, I, they could <laughs> finish tenth. I think putting them they putting them finish at would be not boring. I started at all, thinking so. about how underwhelming they've been for the past few seasons, and I was thinking like, yeah, they're they're not top five. They're probably not top six. They might be top ten. Yeah. Uh, I have Aston Villa. Um, I know this is probably some of my, my Stevie G love uh, seeping through here as a, kind of a homer pick. But I think if, if, again, as I mentioned when I was talking about Aston Villa, if he wants to make a run at that Liverpool job in, in three years when Klopp is probably going to retire, um, he needs to do something with Villa. And they've he, the team bought into him last year, and I think they have a, I think they have a legitimate shot at making, at making a top six and you know making a run in like an FA Cup or sort of the Carabao Cup. So... Uh, okay. And Stevie then G over Brendan Rogers, huh? Yeah. Yes. I I'll take Stevie G over Brendan Rogers every day and twice on Sundays. So, <laughs> all right. Relegation odds. Uh, we're going to pick our three teams that are most likely to get relegated. Uh, Bournemouth is <laughs> far away. The leader at minus 200 Fulham at plus plus one twenty five. forest at plus one twenty five as well. Those are the three promoted teams. And then in terms of the teams that were in the league last year, uh, Leeds United at plus 200 Brentford plus 200. 250, sorry. Uh, Southampton at plus 275. Everton, 300. Webbs at plus 500. Palace at plus 600. And Brighton at plus 800. Um, I'll just throw it out there. We all have Burnmouth going down um, as the, the worst team in the league uh, this year. And Dan, who do you have for your other two teams going down? I have Forrest going down next. And I think it could be a real race to the bottom between them and Burnmouth. I mean, we could see a real slap fight between those two. Those those six pointers may make all the difference in the world. And then I have Brentford. Uh, MJ, you talked me into uh, Ivan Tony not really being able to make his own shots, and they are going to miss Christian. Christian, uh, I was going to say Christian Pulisic. No, Christian Eriksen. Uh, something fierce. MJ, I really think that I also agree that Nottingham Forest, Nottingham Forest is the next team down after after Burnmouth. I, it's really this third spot. Um, I don't want to see Everton there, but like it could be so many other, like Leeds could be there. Fulham could be there. I have Leeds and Fulham staying up and even Brentford staying up and Southampton going, going down. Southampton uh, has, has, they've really skirted it for the last several years. <laughs> they've been yeah, they really, really close. They've been really like, close to going down. So yeah, not surprising. Uh, who, who that saints. <laughs> um, yeah, it would be, yeah, it'd be fun if, they go down and, uh, you know, anyways. Uh, all right. Sorry. Um, I have Fulham going down. I'm going to stick, I'm going to stick to my guns that Mitrovic scores more goals than Erling Holland and Fulham still goes down because Holy crap, that defense is really bad. As much as I love Tim Ream and Jenny Robinson, the other side of that defense and that 
the midfield is terrible. And I think we'll just be carved up by teams. Uh, there's only so much you can do as a, as a left back in terms of uh, Anthony, Anthony Jedi Robinson. And unfortunately, MJ, I have to do it. I have to put Everton here. Um, they've, they've done, they've shown me, they've shown nothing that to where at least you're, you're, I think your only hope is that all three promoted teams are just absolute crap. Um, I, th- I think I'm, I'm a little, obviously I'm a little more bullish on forest than you guys are. Maybe that is just like sentimental. And I want, I want a uh, promoted team to stay up. Um, I just, and I think Fulham and Bournemouth are just really bad. And maybe forest is also really bad, but uh, Fulham's just a, a very much of a, a yo-yo team. And, and I just, I don't think Everton has it in it, in it, in it for them to win it. And I honestly, um, I feel really bad if, fucking Everton goes down because that would be, we wouldn't have a Merseyside Derby again for at least a year. Theoretically, I guess like FA cup is a possibility, but um, I don't take any, as much as I am a Liverpool fan, I don't take any uh, uh, gratitude or, 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 or pleasure in Everton being bad. Um, I much rather hate on Man City and Man United. Everton's just, you know, fun, but I just don't think that you guys have it in you. So Anything Fuck else? <laughs> That's fair. That's <laughs> totally fair. I, I walked right into that one. That totally okay. Um, anything else, boys? Before we uh, we break on this one, and we'll have to come back and do this again before the World Cup and talk about uh, talk about some World Cup teams. So you, you got do a few you months. Think, uh, do you guys think Frank Lampard makes it the whole season as Everton coach? MJ. No. Who so? I guess that's a good question that I think a lot of like previews and stuff do. Who do you think is the first coach fired uh, for the season? Honestly, if, uh, if, if Everton is, is not doing well, I could easily see Frank Lampard getting, getting the boot. And especially if um, Wayne Rooney does well at DC and gets them maybe up to a playoff spot. Could you see D- Wayne Rooney coming over to Everton? <laughs> no. After after the DC season, um, if Frank Lampard gets fired in say November. Right, 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 right after the end of the season, end of the first half of the season, World Cup break, you bring in Wayne Rooney uh, for the second I half think, of the season. Uh, Hasan Hotel from Southampton is the first coach to, to be fired. Hasan Hotel is a good shout too. Yeah, if he, especially if they're not playing well. Um, I I really like Hart and Hustle. Which is just how I've decided his name is pronounced. Hard and hustle. Uh, hard and hustle. Uh, I think it's Lamps. Um, and then yeah, I, think I think Marco Marco Silva's second. That's a good shout. The real question through all of this is how many coaches does Watford fire between the time that it takes for the first Premier League coach to get fired? Over <laughs> under twelve. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they they should be. They should be a, a a favorite to get back up, but again, that is they're you are right. They are notorious for not giving managers <laughs> much of a leash at all. So uh, honestly, they have more of a choke chain than a leash. That is that is true. Uh, all right, boys, this was this was fun. Again, uh, Patreons, this is going to go out to you guys soon. Uh, we'll drop it in the in the regular feed, maybe late, sometime early next week uh, after the regular podcast drops. Um, but if you want to get involved in, in more stuff, uh, early stuff like this, patreon.com slash the Dave's I know um, you can reach out to us at Twitter at TDIKMN. Uh, I'm at Texas Zeller. MJ is at MJ Matsui. Dan is as always at D Wade. 
Um, definitely uh, send him Gabriel Union uh, tweets. Uh, please, <laughs> please do. And then, yeah, again, I think this would be really fun if we get together like late October, early November and uh, discuss World Cup. Uh, Let's break, do it. Break, break some of that stuff down. So Yeah, let's do it. Dan, I know you have a new kid, but this gives you basically like two and a half months to start prepping for the World Cup podcast. So way, way more, way more time than I gave you for this one. So let's put it that way. <laughs> That's true. All right, boys. Uh, thank you so much, uh, everybody. Uh, we've been the days you know. This is the days I know. to try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing at all. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, cunt. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act we attract two, hope to reach one. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be we, done. Uh, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Check it out, guys. GT.